I still remember hearing the story of Dr. Howard, a pastor who went to be with the Lord years ago. Dr. Howard had a relatively small ministry until his preaching was discovered, and suddenly he was in high demand. He was preaching all over the country. He eventually taught at a college for a number of years as well. Well, in his later years, as he stepped away from teaching and regular ministry, Dr. Howard retired near the campus of the college where he had taught. And he would regularly walk through the campus in the early morning. On those days as he walked along, he said that he would often feel his arm involuntarily rising, and that then he would feel the hand of Jesus grasp his, and on and on they would walk together. And he said it was the sweetest feeling he ever had in his life. That story made a deep impact on me when I first heard it because I remember thinking that I, I want to have a relationship with the Lord like that. And that I want to know believers who are walking closely with the Lord like that so that I could learn from them. Well, a year and a half ago, I was blessed to meet a man who has a sweet relationship with Jesus like that. And when that man first came to FBCO as our worship director, I first saw him walking into the church with a bottle of Mountain Dew in his hand. And I told Casey later that day, I think I'm going to get along well with this guy. And we have. But for far more reasons than Mountain Dew. Ever since Richard came here as our worship director, I have noticed how he is a man with a hard work ethic a deep love for his family, a passion for the people of God. He has a heart for the gospel, but what sticks out to me most is that he has a close relationship with God. I have seen on many occasions Richard make a decision after spending much time in prayer, being sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in his life, and then I've seen the Lord bless those decisions. So when Richard first told me that he was wrestling in prayer and seeking counsel about this tugging feeling in his heart that perhaps the Lord was calling him to step into pastoral ministry, I knew that Richard wouldn't rest until he was confident what God wanted from him. And then I remember the day when Richard said he had found peace, knowing that God had in fact called him to step into the role of a pastor, spiritual shepherd of God's people. Not because he thinks he's worthy of it, not because he's seeking his own gain through it, but because he is convinced it is what God wants from him. So today, church, we ordain Richard Alderman into pastoral ministry. And as he goes from worship director, First Baptist Church of Oxford, to worship pastor, this is not just going to change the responsibilities of Richard towards the church, but also it will change the responsibilities of the church towards Richard as well. And so before we pray over him and recognize this call in his life, I want us to consider what this means for Richard and for the church as a whole. So first of all, let's understand what we even mean by ordination. And when most people think of someone being ordained, they think of that person being able to officiate a wedding. But biblically, it means much more. Biblically, this is when the church and its leaders recognize that an individual has been appointed and set apart by God to ministry. And then the church responds in unity to that clear call of God through prayer. Let's look at an example together. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. 
We're going to be jumping around a little bit in Scripture this morning, but I encourage you to follow along as best as you can. If you don't want to follow along through Scripture, if you don't have a Bible with you and you want to follow along with the screen, that's fine. But I would encourage you to jot these references down so that you can go home and look at them in your Bible there. Acts chapter 13. We're going to begin in verse 1. Where we find this. It says, Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So what we find here is that Saul, who we know later as Paul and Barnabas were serving the Lord as leaders in the church at Antioch when God called them to be set apart from missionary work. As one pastor said, God chooses for further ministry those already actively serving him. He's not likely to take idle Christians down from the shelf, dust them off, and entrust them with important work. Keep that in mind, believers. Do Do we want to be used mightily by God in our lives? Well, if so, then we need to start following him now, even in the small things. And then later we will find that he will do mighty things through us. Paul and Barnabas, they were faithfully serving God and leading God's people when the Lord called them to a new ministry. The church and its leaders responded to God's clear calling of these men by outwardly recognizing it through the laying on of hands and prayer. Now, for Paul and Barnabas, this was more of a commissioning than what we would think of as an ordination because these two men were already spiritual leaders in the church. But this serves as an example of what ordination is. Some other examples we find in Scripture would include 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, which briefly mentions when the church leaders laid their hands on Timothy, who was set apart for God's call. Titus chapter 1, verse 5 is where we find that Titus was told to appoint or ordain elders, church leaders in the church. But again, what is ordination? Ordination is when a church and its leaders recognize and agree that God has called and equipped someone for the work of ministry, and then they respond in praying for that person. That's very simply what ordination is, which leads us to why are we doing this this morning? The reason is because God has made this calling clear to Richard, clear to the church leaders, and already to many of our members as well. In this case, it's that God has called Richard to more than just leading the choir and the praise team and the body of believers and worship, which he faithfully does. But that God is leading him now to step into the role, in addition to all these things, to step into the role of a pastor through which he's going to continue teaching scripture. He'll preach on occasion. He's going to take a larger role in the spiritual leadership and the shepherding of the body of believers, bearing the responsibilities that come with all these things. And our response as a church body is going to be to affirm that, and then for your ordained leaders to come, lay their hands on him, and pray over Richard to embrace this call from God in his life. Now, church, I believe that Richard has not only been called by God to be a minister of the gospel, but he's also been equipped by God for this role. Not only this, I believe that Richard has demonstrated 
over the more than a year and a half that he's been here, that he's demonstrated to the leadership and to everyone here that he strives to live out the qualifications for pastors. We find these qualifications in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Beginning in verse 1, we find this. It says, Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now, the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Not only does Richard have a heart to be like Christ and to pursue these high standards, but he also has a passion for the gospel. He has a love for teaching the word of God. He has the heart of a shepherd. And our decision to ordain him this morning is because we cannot help but agree with God's clear calling and gifting of this man. But as I said before, this is a process that involves the whole church. So I'm going to ask Richard to come and he is going to share with you all what led to this moment in his life. And then when Richard is done sharing, our head deacon, Michael Giorgini, will come to the church to affirm this ordination process. So I'm going to ask Richard to come now and share with you. As anyone who knows me knows that it is, there is never a Mountain Dew far away. Amen. <clears throat> oh, my kidneys will pay one day. <laughs> Thank you guys for being here. I just want to take a few minutes uh, and uh, this, was a, this was a tough process trying to figure out how to say what is really hard to say and how to describe what is pretty much undescribable. Um, but I think uh, Psalm 139 and verse 16 says it best. It says, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained before me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Isn't it amazing that God knows about us and all our days before we even come into physical existence on this earth? I'm so thankful for his all-knowing power, because I certainly did not see this particular calling ever coming in my future. <laughs> um, I was brought up in church my whole life. I saw what pastors and preachers and deacons went through on a weekly and daily basis, and I really did not want anything to do with that. God has a very great sense of humor. Amen. I've come to the conclusion that God's greatest blessings for us are unexpected. Just when you think that you have exceeded the generosity of God's love, He defies that thought. 
So I'm grateful to my Savior if you're choosing me for his purpose. I don't do very well with things being written down, so if I seem like I'm reading, it's because I am, and that was at the behest of my wife. She said to write it down so you don't ramble, and I'm rambling now, so I apologize. <clears throat> this process has brought many sleepless nights talking to God, and I'm so glad that he always listens when I call. Many conversations with some of the elders at our church Many moments of mentorship from Pastor Andrew, even when he didn't know that's what he was doing for me. And a lot of intriguing questions. Some of the questions I've gotten from those who have been mentoring me and guiding me through this process are ones like, Richard, what is your philosophy of worship and philosophy of ministry? Well, that is simple. My philosophy of ministry is to point people to Jesus. That's it. Whether it's a sinner who's never understood the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, or whether it is a fellow believer who is struggling in a moment, Jesus is the answer. There's nothing I can say or do that will make it better. But Jesus is the answer. Another question was, uh, what was my goal and my, or my intentions for becoming ordained? Uh, that answer is really easy. It's to obey God. <laughs> I have done a lot of disobedient things where God was concerned, and I've learned that it's better to obey than it is to disobey. So I want to always be obedient to God, and in, and in return, I'm very hopeful that that pleases Him. Then there was the question which I thought was odd, and that question was, are you crazy? I hope that was a joke. I'm, at least I hope it was a joke. The answer to that is yes, I am crazy. Since the age of 12, when I asked Jesus into my heart, I've been crazy about him ever since. Many more questions came, some serious, not, some not so serious, and some that I never even thought that uh, I would have to think about or know the answer to. And I just want to personally thank Brother Doug, for those questions, I appreciate you, brother, <laughs> and love you. I love Brother Doug. He's, uh, he is, and our mental health ministry could not be what it is without his, his patience and his knowledge, and I appreciate you for that. Regardless of all those questions, the one question that I stand here today to answer in front of all of you is the question that God has asked me. That question God has asked me is if I will accept and serve him in pastoral calling. And the answer to that is an emphatic yes. I know my words are not poetic for this occasion. The truth is, how do you put into words this type of supernatural event? Man's natural instinct is not to preach or to sing or to testify about the goodness of God. Rather, it's a supernatural intertwining of the shed blood of Christ with a sin-stained soul and a call to service that can't be denied. That's what this calling means to me. It's a way to talk about the way. A truth to share about the truth. And spending the rest of my life telling others about the life. That's Jesus, folks. The way. The truth. The life. Thank you for, to Pastor Andrew for mentoring me, even though I'm 
almost old enough to be your dad? Almost, not quite. But you are and continue to be a great moral model for me, and I appreciate that. One more statement I have to make. I'm a very emotional person, by the way. <laughs> God is just so good to use a broken person like me. God uses the worst times in our lives. I'm going to try to collect myself because y'all really need to hear this. <clears throat> but God uses the best times in our lives, the worst times in our lives, rather, to do amazing things. About seven years ago, I was staring down the barrel of a lifelong diagnosis of major, <clears throat> major depressive disorder. That is a mental illness that never goes away. At first, I took it as a death sentence. However, God used this blessing of a disease to put me right here today. So I encourage you, no matter what it is, hardship or great thing, always look for the blessing. Because if God led you to it, He will lead you through it. Wow, <clears throat> this is really hard. I told Andy back there, I don't do well in front of people speaking, and he's like, what? And I don't. I never have been a great. Every time I sit down at that piano or I grab a mic up here in the morning, on Sunday morning, my guts are turning and twisting in 1,700 different knots, and you all probably don't even realize that, but there is one who always comes and intervenes on my behalf. And that's the Lord. Speaking of blessings, I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge my wife and kids this morning who are an part, important part of this ministerial journey that we'll be on. And I say will because I, I asked Tommy this morning, I said, uh, he was sitting on the couch in our sitting room and he was kind of staring off. And I said, Tommy, you all right? He said, yeah, Dad. I figured he was still mad at me because we found out yesterday that I am no good as a basketball league director. <laughs> I really am no good at that. Brandon, if you're watching this, but I cannot wait for you to get here so you can do these things better than me. And God bless you all for your kind words this morning, and even God bless the ones who had not so kind words about the basketball yesterday. <laughs> Um, but I asked Tommy, I said, well, what are you thinking? And he says, um, he said, just waiting for us to go. And I said, uh, you're going to be a, a PK in a few hours. And he said, what is it? He said, I said, you know what that means? He said, a pastor's kid. And I said, yeah. 
I said, what do you think about that? And he said, that's really cool. I have the greatest kids. A great wife who supports me. God has really blessed me with the four of them, and I, I can't thank him enough and them enough. And I'm not looking up because if I see them, I'm going to cry again. So um, to my father-in-law and mother-in-law, Tom and Jackie Miller, who are here with us today as well, uh, to you two, and along with Eileen, Brandy's grandmother, who is rejoicing in heaven today. You folks never gave up on me in my darkest time of my life as a result of depression and anxiety. And you're truly the greatest gifts for family that I could have ever hoped for. So that's it. I really can't say any more because I'm out of time. And uh, you don't get extra grace for going over time until you're actually ordained as a pastor. So let's get this on the road. I love you guys. Thank you so much for putting your trust in me to do this great work. I appreciate you. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, now for the first part of our ordination service. <clears throat> you sort of choked me up this morning. Uh, we need to affirm his ordination. And we will go through this. I will ask a question. And all in favor will raise their hand and then clockwise. So all in favor of Richard's ordination service, raise your right hand. All opposed, like sign, so carried. Thank you very much. All right. Now, church, it's time for you to understand your role as we prepare to rejoice over God's call in Richard's life. So First Baptist Church, in order to love and care for Richard and his family, I charge you to fulfill these biblical commands. First, while our enemy, the devil, would love nothing more than for believers to be unkindly critical, unreasonably demanding and demeaning of those serving the Lord, I ask you, as the Apostle Paul asked the Thessalonian church, to appreciate Richard and to hold him in the highest regard in love because of the work that he will engage in. Second, as you hold Richard in high regard, follow him as one of the God-appointed leaders in the church. Third, as you follow him as a leader, also follow his example of faith. One of Richard's responsibilities is to pursue the Lord and the lifestyle laid out in 1 Timothy chapter 3. So he should be an example worth following. Already, he set a great example for all of us. To prayerfully understand what God desires in our lives and then to follow him wholeheartedly. 
I thank you for that example that you have set for me and everyone here. And then finally, church, pray for him and pray for his family. The devil loves to attack and destroy the lives of Christians, and he loves to attack and destroy the lives of those who are leading Christians. So pray for Richard. Pray for him to rely on the Lord. Pray that he would be strengthened daily. And pray for his family, because as Richard said, this is a journey they are all embarking on together now. And church, I believe that the Lord will bless you as you do these things. Samuel Logan Brangle of the Salvation Army wrote this years ago. He wrote that spiritual leadership is not won by promotion, but by many prayers and tears. He said, it's attained by confessions of sin and much heart-searching and humbling before God. By self-surrender, a courageous sacrifice of every idol. By a bold, deathless, uncompromising, and uncomplaining embracing of the cross. And by an eternal, unfaltering looking unto Jesus crucified. It's not gained by seeking great things for ourselves, but rather, like Paul, by counting those things that are gained to us as loss for Christ. That, he said, is a great price. But he said it must be unflinchingly paid by him who would be not merely a nominal, but a real spiritual leader of them. A leader whose power is recognized and felt in heaven and on earth and in hell. Richard, I can attest that it was through much heart searching, self-surrender and humbling before God that you came to this decision. I've already seen how you have a shepherd's heart for God's people, and I know that everyone here has seen that too. And it's obvious your determination for the gospel. But before we pray over you, I must publicly remind you of some important truths that we find in Scripture. So keep in mind that God's Word says in James chapter 3 that as a teacher of God's Word, you will be held to a stricter judgment before God because of the things that you teach. So keep Paul's admonition to Timothy to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Richard, bear in mind that Hebrews chapter 13 says that as an overseer, you will give an account for the souls of those the Lord places under you. So as Paul told the elders of the church in Ephesus, be diligent to watch out for the flock. Be diligent because vicious wolves will come in and try and draw them away with false teaching. Protect them. Having said those things, Richard, we give you this charge, being the same one that Paul gave to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, which says this. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in the view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up a sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers 
to say what their itching ears want to hear. They'll turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardships, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. So Richard, fulfill your ministry, even when it's hard. In the moments of joy and victory, praise the Lord. In the moments of opposition and hardship, don't stop. As one saint said long ago, Richard, we shall preach what we know. We shall climb a lofty mountain and shout it out if we aren't given a hearing below. We shall extol the Spirit. We shall not be afraid. If we do have a fear, it will be of silence, not preaching. So Richard, never stop preaching the glorious gospel which led you here. The truth that apart from Christ, we are separated from God because of our sin. And that the just punishment for our sin is to be separated forever from God in a place of torment called hell. But that in His great love, Jesus Christ came to this earth and willingly died on the cross to take the payment, the penalty, and punishment for our sin so that we could receive forgiveness, so that we could receive a pardon from the penalty of hell through faith in Him. And after He died, Jesus was buried, and then three days later, powerfully rose from the dead. And we know that we too will live forever with Him if we put our faith in Him. The world needs to hear this because the world needs Christ. So Richard, let the salvation message always be found in your preaching. So Richard, if you accept this charge and all these things we have talked about today, you can affirm this by coming forward now so that your leaders can pray over you. I would like to ask the church's deacons, Michael Giorgini, Doug Largent, Josh Height, and Lee Miller to join me up front as we pray over Richard. Let us pray. Our most gracious Father, our most holy and wonderful God, our most sovereign Lord, we present this man to you, O Father, and this calling that you've placed upon his heart. We pray that you will give him wisdom, direction, knowledge, peace, and bless him in all that he does for you, Father, and may all that he does for you bring you glory and honor and majesty. And God, we pray that you bless his family, strengthen them at this time. And we ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Father, we're thankful for Pastor Richard and his ministry here to us and to you. We're thankful for all that you do and for calling faithful men into the ministry. And now as you continue your calling on him to the, the pastoral ministry as, as worship pastor here, we pray your richest blessings and protections upon him and his family. We pray that you'll bless him and Brandy and Emma and Tommy and Brendan. Pray that you'll keep them safe in mind, body, and spirit. Let no evil come upon them and bind the evil one in Jesus' name from their lives, from their family, from their ministry. We pray that you'll give him a vision for the ministry that you've called him to, that you'll make it clear and known to him. Father, I pray that 
you'll just show him what it is that you would have him to do. I pray that you'd give him a shepherd's heart. That he would serve your people in a mighty and powerful way. To guide and direct them and to point them to you. I pray that you'll make him faithful to your calling. To order every step that he makes. To use him in a powerful way for your kingdom to accomplish great things. Not necessarily as the world sees it, but as you see it. We pray that when we get to heaven, we'll be able to rejoice in what has been accomplished. Prosper him, Lord, as he serves you and your church. We pray that you'll use him to accomplish great things here in this church and through it for your kingdom's sake. Just use him, Lord, as he surrenders to you. And bless him richly, I pray in Jesus' name. Dear Lord, thank you for sending Richard to us at our church and also as a family friend. Be with him as he goes through this new journey. Be with Randy and the kids. Provide him with wisdom and courage. In your name we pray. Lord, we just thank you for Richard's obedience, Lord. We uh, we thank you that he's willing to set himself apart and become what you've called him to be. Lord, just be with him and Brandy and the kids as they continue their journey. They're not starting nothing new. They're just changing titles. And we just ask that you encourage them, that you lift them up, that you walk with them, and you guide them where you want them to be, Lord. Lord, just find them faithful in following you and leading the church. We pray this in your name. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing Richard and his family to this church. And we thank you for bringing this call to Richard's life. We thank you for the example that he has set for so many of us. We thank you that you do use all of us imperfect people for your kingdom work. But as we saw with Paul and Barnabas and with Richard, it is calls such as these that you don't bring to idle Christians, but to those who are actively serving you. And we see that in Richard's life. Because he's been serving you for so many years. And so we're overjoyed that you've called him to serve you in this way now. We pray that you would give him great wisdom as he serves you in this new role. That you would help him to rightly divide scripture as he teaches it to others that you would help them to stand firm on true doctrine, even though we live in a world that would love believers to turn aside from it. We pray that you would help them to watch out for the flock, to defend them, to feed them your word, and keep away false teachers. And we pray that you would be with him and his family, because we know that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. But I pray if he should ever come to Richard and his family, he would not find them sleeping, that he would find them alert and ready, ready to rely on you and live in a way that pleases you. So I pray that you would protect them, 
that you would bring them great unity as a family. And Lord, we just praise you for them. We pray that you would bless this ministry, bless this man. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.